Hello, and welcome back to the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been listening all week, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This has been the first week of doing podcasts for the Locked On Dimebacks from Monday through Friday. This is our first full week of going every day, so I just want to thank everyone who's been listening and tuning in every day. If you guys want to see more of my work, go to millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. You can see uh, all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. So go check that out. We got a jam-packed show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about some David Peralta stuff because he's going to be our spotlight player today as we break down his 2019 season and we look ahead to the 2020 MLB season and what kind of impact he can have. And then today, we got a brand new game again. It's called Fastball Fridays as I introduce and bring the heat with my opinion. It might be considered a hot take. It might not, but to me, it's not a hot take. Or we might look at hot takes by other people and just discuss it as this is Fastball Fridays. But first, if your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men between 18 and 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at millerthomas 24 at yahoo.com or email the podcast email locked on dimebacks at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, for segment number one today, we're going to continue our spotlight play review and we're going to be talking about David Peralta. You guys know who David Peralta is. He's been here for seven seasons now, been a staple in the Dimebacks organization, been a pretty consistent hitter during his time here. He usually puts in the same numbers year in and year out. You don't have to expect uh, too much variancy with David Peralta. You kind of know what he's going to get if you look at his numbers year by year as I have them here. He's batting 286, 312, 251, 293, 293, 275. So he's always in that 290 era. He usually hits about 15 homers, homers in that range. But for... Heading into next season, uh, there there's some question marks surrounding David Peralta. Uh, I just mentioned he's a very consistent player, and he's been pretty healthy and durable during his time year with the Diamondbacks. But last season, it was cut short due to injury. Uh, in August, he underwent some shoulder uh, some shoulder surgery that ended the rest of his 2019 season. And it made his numbers regress just a little bit. If you look at his batting average, it was down to 275. It was up at 293 the previous year. His homers went from 30 to 12. And he only played 99 games last season. So a lot of his regression could just be because of the amount of games he played. If we look at his first half versus second half splits from a year ago, uh, during the first half, he batted 290 or nine home runs. And that dipped all the way to under 230 in the second half. So a lot of that is that a lot of that is that whether because of the injury, that regression because of the injury, and that's why his batting average and other statistical uh, production took a hit. Or was it just something mentally? Was it something you know in his mechanics? Was this was it a tendency that 
pitchers just picked up on. So that's a big question that people have heading into the 2020 MLB season. How healthy is that shoulder? And will we see him bounce back to the production of just a year ago when he was a silver slugger, batting 290 with 30 home runs? That's what people want to know. And I think he will get pretty similar production to Wade Dunn throughout his career. I don't I don't necessarily uh, necessarily believe he's going to get back to that 30 home run club. That looks like it was an anomaly in his career. If you look at his other numbers, he has never been uh, near 30, 30 home runs in his career. And I think even if he was healthy uh, completely during last season, I think he would have just been right around uh, that 25 home run mark. I don't know if he would have got to 30 either. So in totality, I don't think he's a really a 30 home run guy, but I do think he could bat 285 with 18 to 22 home runs. And I think that's really solid uh, production from your left fielder. I think he's like your, your steady Eddie. He's a guy that bats six. He's not going to give you any phenomenal production of he's not he's not going to be a staple in your lineup. He's not going to be the middle of your order guy. But I think if you're looking for someone that could bat second, that could bat seventh, I think he's going to be right there in that uh, position when it comes to batting orders and batting lineups. I think that's the kind of player he is. And he actually batted 290 last year when he was batting third. And he batted third about 40 to 45 games. And then he batted uh, fourth another 40 to 45 games. And in those games when he batted fourth, he hit under 240. So that's a 50-point difference between batting third and batting fourth. And then on yesterday's podcast, I mentioned how well Eduardo Escobar hit batting fourth compared to the other times he, he was reordered in the lineup compared to third or second. So if we actually switch Eduardo Escobar and David Peralta, I think we could start getting to the crux of what this lineup should look like. I really believe if you start off with Starling Marte and then go to Ketel Marte and then go to David Peralta and then go to Eduardo Escobar, I think that's the, the front four you want. And then maybe with a Cole Calhoun fifth or a Christian Walker, I think you're going to go six or seven deep. I think probably seven deep because it also got Carson Kelly. Then I just mentioned Christian Walker. So I love David Peralta uh, right there batting third. He's just going to be consistent. Give me, uh, He's going to put the ball in play for me, give me consistent production, hit for average, uh, score some runs, drive in some himself, and even give me that pop. He's not going to be that 30 home run guy like I said before. I don't believe that's what he is. But I do believe that shoulder's healthy. There's no reason why he can't bat 285 with at least 15 to 20 home runs. What makes David Peralta so interesting is really his come-up story, honestly. When you look back at it, uh, he first started as a pitcher in independent ball before he even became an outfielder. So I think uh, the reason he was able to come in so late and make an immediate impact is because he had so much time in the minors to really perfect his craft. When he was converting to outfielder, he didn't make his debut until he was 26. So I think he was able to really get seasoned in the minors and then come up and then make that immediate impact for the Dimebacks. So I think during his time here, he's become a fan favorite and just been a steady, eddy, productive hitter for the Dimebacks who's been crucial to their winning. I mean, I have one more stat for you guys because you guys know I'm a stat guy. Uh, in games last year, in the 46 games that he played in which the Dimebacks won, he batted 300, and then the 46 games he played when the Diamondbacks lost, 
he batted 247. So that right there goes to show you how crucial he is to their winning and losing, just like Eduardo Escobar. David Peralta plays better when the Dimebacks are winning, and they're winning because he's playing better. So when David Peralta and Eduardo Escobar are on, they are winning games. And I think we're going to see some more winning from that duo and the rest of the lineup because I don't believe he's going to be one of these regression candidates that we see in the other players like Christian Walker. I actually think uh, David Peralta can be a progression candidate and actually improve on his numbers from this past season. Uh, You're going to stay tuned for segment number two today because we are debuting Fastball Fridays. Now I'm going to be bringing the heat, bringing the hot takes, or telling you some hot takes from other people that I've heard. But before that, a quick message. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Dimebacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Dimeback fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locks On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. So if you want your company to reach their podcasting needs, then I suggest you text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back for segment number two today. It's Fastball Fridays. We are debuting the new game today. I'll be bringing the heat, letting you know my opinions that might be considered controversial or a hot take. But let me tell you this, I never say anything that I don't believe. Or I might be bringing you hot takes I've heard from other people. So let's jump right into it. Okay, so first on this Fastball Fridays... I saw this thing on Bleacher Report by Joel Reuter, and it was basically the biggest regret every team had uh, during their offseason. And for the Arizona Dimebacks, he said it was failing to find a trade partner for starting pitcher Robbie Ray. Now, this is something that I don't necessarily agree with. It's because I still like the, uh, Robbie Ray as a possible number two or three starter in this rotation. Obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've talked quite a bit about Robbie Ray. He's been regressing a little bit the last couple of years. You see his ERA working backwards, which is something you never like to see. But the man is still 28 years young. He's still in the prime of his career. I think he could still have a bounce-back season. Last season, he racked up 175 innings pitch, had a career high on strikeouts. So there's still a lot to work with, and I think if he could get that ERA a little bit lower, win some more games for the Dimebacks, he will be an interesting trade candidate at the deadline because I do believe the Dimebacks are going to be in contention to make the playoffs, and they're going to look for other areas of need like the bullpen help or maybe uh, someone gets hurt. So I think uh, Robbie Ray could definitely be a trade candidate because I like their young, <coughs> the Dimebacks, other young starters on the roster. And I believe they might step up and have a breakout season. So then Robbie Ray becomes a little bit more expendable, and then you can trade him for another piece that you might need on your roster. 
Now, here's a hot take that you that you guys know that I believe that I've been saying for a while now on this podcast is that the Diamondbacks should go out and trade for Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is such a good player in baseball. He was an MVP candidate, a rookie of the year. Not even an MVP candidate. He was a former MVP winner. He won rookie of the year. This guy is a beast. He's a stud. Help uh, break the curse in Chicago. Help them finally bring a World Series home to the city of Chicago. We know they've been <laughs> luring uh, for it for a very long time. I mean, the Diamondbacks got one before the Chicago Cubs did. So I think he's a guy that could definitely bring a big boost to the Dimebacks lineup. I think he will put us over the top, especially if this Mookie Trey goes through. I think the Dimebacks definitely need to make one last splash before the season ends. And who knows? Maybe they do it at the deadline, and then maybe the Cubs need that pitcher, that starting pitcher, to help propel them. And maybe we do a little Robbie Ray for Chris Bryant action. Obviously, I think we might need to throw in another prospect in there. But if you're getting Chris Bryant, I think I'll do it. Now you say, where does he fit in the in the lineup? Where does he play? What position? He's played quite a few positions in his career. I think he could play the outfield, and he could play various positions in the infield. I think you could constantly move him around, and he's just so good. You're going to make someone else switch their position, okay? He's that kind of player, and I don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't go out and trade for Chris Bryant. Another hot take that I had, if you had uh, listened to yesterday's podcast, I said the over-under on Dimeback when this season was 87 and a half, and I told you guys to take the over, and I'm going to double down on that today. I'm going to say the Dimebacks get to 90 wins this season and get a wild-card playoff berth. I think they're going to be in contention for low-key to NL West most of the season, but I do uh, ultimately think the Dodgers will win the NL West because I think they'll probably win at least 100 games, especially if they get Mookie Betts, who's a beast. So I do think the Dimebacks could get to 90 wins this season. They they were hovering around 85 to 90 the last couple of years, and then they added Starling Marte, two-time Gold Glove winner, Cole Calhoun, 30-home run guy, Madison Bumgarner, Cy Young candidate, and World Series champion three times over. So I think they added a lot of key pieces and some star pieces. And then I think if you get some similar production from last season with Kelton Marte, Eduardo Escobar, and then David Peralta comes back to full health. Uh, some more Carson Kelly in there uh, showing you some more production behind the plate. And then some breakout guys like Zach Gallen or Luke Weaver. I think there's a lot of potential for this Diamondback squad. And I do think they could get to 90 wins. Now, the last hot take of the day that I got that I have for you guys on this Fastball Friday. No, actually, this is the second to last take. So for the second to last take of the day on this Fastball Fridays, it is Ketel Marte will finish with more MVP votes than Nolan Arenado. I know that might seem like a hot take. You're like, man, Nolan Arenado is a beast, but he's never even won an MVP award And it's crazy to think that because he's been such a phenomenal player over the last few seasons. He's finished as high as third in MVP voting. And Ketel Marte just last season was fourth in MVP voting. So I don't think it's actually as crazy as you might think that Ketel Marte could finish higher than Nolan Arenado. Arenado hasn't been on too many winning teams with the Rockies. And obviously that doesn't stop players like Mike Trout, who seems to win the MVP award every season, but I do think for Keltel Marte, the Dimebacks finish higher 
than the Rockies. I think it helps that they play in the same division. If the Diamondbacks finish higher than the Rockies, I think he's going to finish, then I think Ketel Marte is going to finish higher than Nolan Arenado in MVP voting as well. Now, here is the last hot take I have of the day. The Diamondbacks will finish top 10 as a team in home runs. Last season, they finished 19th. But I think with the likes of Starling Marte, a 20-25 to home run guy, Cole Cajon, another 30 home run guy. Then you got a full season of David Peralta back. And then you got some guys like Eduardo Escobar, Ketel Marte, and Christian Walker giving you similar production as last season. I think uh, the Dimebacks are going to finish right around in that top 10 era, uh, top 10 region, actually finish in the top 10. And then I can even see a guy like Carson Kelly breaking off 20-plus home run bombs. So I think there's going to be a lot of production that a lot of people in the sport don't realize because I don't think the Dimebacks are going to have anybody that hits over 40 home runs, but I think they're going to have four to five guys that could hit you 25 to 30 home runs. I think when you put in the totality of guys that they have that could hit 15-plus to 20-plus home runs, I think it's going to start stacking up. I think eventually they will finish in the top 10 in home runs by the end of the MLB season. That's it for our Fastball Friday today. Thank you guys for tuning in if you've been listening all week. As we finally were going live every day, Monday through Friday, on the Locked on Dimebacks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're a company interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast because Locked On Dimebacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% of men between the ages of 18 to 44. They're well-educated with disposable income. And we have the most reasonable rates around. So email me at LockedOnDimebacks at gmail.com so we can achieve advertising success. Now, you guys are going to want to tune in again Monday through Friday next week as I'll be bringing more Dimebacks coverage, news, insights, rumors, hot takes. We're going to have it all right here on the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. It's me, Miller Thomas. Tune in next week. Peace.